Hi, I'm Figile Mbalula, commonly known as uh, Razmatas Mbawizi Fligile on Flick. You are listening to Madiba's radio. Keep rocking the Metro Nana. Let's go. You're listening to Madiba's radio, opening up the waves for you to be heard. We're back on the bench warmer on Madiba's radio. It is episode eight. I'm your host, Gorgs. Today we have a, have a guest who was an, announced today as the CSA Acting Head of Cricket Pathways. We welcome Edward Causa on the Bench Warmer. I welcome Edward on the eighth episode of the Bench Warmer. Uh, good day, everyone. Uh, hopefully, everybody is still staying safe uh, through during these trying times. Uh, but uh, it's quite a pleasure to be speaking to you today. Yeah. So, Edward, can you tell us more about yourself, uh, who you are, where you come from, come from, and so forth? Okay, I was, I was born in Zanin, but uh, grew up in Mamelodi, that's all my life. Hence, I support Mamelodi Sundowns. Eh? But uh, <laughs> my, uh, my my humbling story to cricket actually came behind the uh, uh, the, the old Bakers mini cricket uh, program. Because at the time I was playing for Sundowns Juniors and then my teacher forced me to go to a cricket uh, festival. And then when I got there, the fact that they gave us oranges and biscuits at the time actually lured me into the game because I said to myself, I've been playing soccer as a junior for quite some time, but we were never given anything. And the only thing you got was water from your coach on the sideline. Yeah. And I think since then I got involved and I was fortunate, fortunate enough that in my journey at already at the age of 15, I got involved in the club administration at Mamlodi Cricket Club. And yeah. to attend meetings at the at Northern's Cricket Union, and I think through that, and I remember, I mean, when you look at at the age of 15, that it was early 2000, it was early early 90s. You already saw an opportunity that in the boardroom when you walked in, the place was untransformed at the time, and so I saw the opportunity then. I said, now, man, this is where I belong, and this is probably where I can make a difference because it doesn't look like people fancy themselves. Cricket administration. Yeah. So obviously, as I mentioned earlier, you were announced at this as the CSA acting head of Cricket Pathways. I mean, can you tell us further what does the job entail? Uh, for my sins, uh, I, I, I look after the entire uh, uh, cricketing space. So uh, I have managers underneath me. It's not a one man's job. So the entire cricket pathway from uh, KFC, which is grassroots, right until. Uh, the high performance structures that's what I'm, I'm involved in and my job is a strategic one I need to look at strategically whether we're doing the right things are we heading in the right direction uh, challenge my managers in looking for new avenues to try and make sure that we can better uh, South African cricket because at the end of the day people must know that if we don't have a healthy protest team we actually do because we make all our revenue out of a successful protest team so we strive to make sure that we have the protest team at least in the top three of world cricket because if they're performing at that level everybody wants to play against us which means we can get uh, generate enough revenue from tv rights but also what is quite key it allows us to spend on grassroots because if you don't have uh, resources and then the, the first area to show change will definitely be grassroots so it's a big task in terms of making sure that the synergy and this speaks on the playing side it speaks to the match officials it speaks to coaching it speaks to administration so you have to try and make sure that you keep your finger in the pulse as much as we can judge by what's happening on the on field there's a lot of work that we still have to do as well off field in terms of making sure that the game is governed and is run quite well and those are some of my responsibilities 
Yeah, so obviously recently there have been appointments made within the CSA management. Can you briefly explain the appointments uh, for the listeners who are obviously unaware of the, the announcement that were made um, yesterday on Thursday on the 10th of September? I think maybe let me start this way. As you well aware that we have uh, Grant Smith who joined us as the director of Cricket at uh, Cricket yes. or Radio in December. And then when Graham uh, got involved, actually, it was a, a changing landscape because Cricket South Africa over time, we, we started uh, uh, already in 2019 to have what we call an organizational design. We needed to change the framework of how we operated. And the key position of the director of Cricket was identified at that particular time. And which is a change in the landscape because uh, as you're well aware, uh, the previous regimes like the Protea teams, for example, used to report directly to the board. Mm-hmm. And it was also a reporting directly to the CEO. And the team manager was sitting in the exco CSA. But with the director of cricket on board now, that meant that the team will now have to start feeding into the director of cricket and he's the ultimately responsible for. So it's no longer a board function. And that's one area that I thought now it was never actually explained well to the public. And then in doing, bringing Graham in, we also needed to look at now how we function. Because if you look at our high performance structure, in our performance program, which is the appointments that we're speaking about, uh, we in the past we used to have a SAA coach, a National Academy coach, and we also had the SA under 19 coach. And these guys were dedicated just only to work in those programs. Mm. But we, when we took stock in terms of what are the successes of, of the high performance structure and what are the gaps that are existing, we realized that we need uh, credible individuals that can work across the high performance structure that they're not just dedicated in a respective uh, in the respectable area to make sure that we're quite successful in what we try to do from cricket. So the appointments we're speaking about, we've appointed Mali Bongwe, uh, Maketa, who's a, a former protea head coach, and he also the head coach. He was a former Warriors head coach, yes. well renowned in the future in terms of a cricketing circle, and uh, he he will be heading up the SAA. And, uh, and, the academy, and the National Academy is his main responsibility. But outside that environment, we will be working within the high-performance structure because in the high-performance process that we're embarking on, we also have the women's space in there. So yes. we need to make sure that both the Protea men and Protea women team have a, a, a healthy feeder system that players can plug into that. And then the second appointment we did was a Shukri contract. Shukri was, a, was a, a National Academy coach and as an experienced individual and a forward, thing, a forward and straight person and looking at the, uh, the performances of our under-19 as a team in the past, we realized that we needed to redeem ourselves at the international level because the contract of the former coach, which is Lawrence Martani, came to an end and, uh, and he didn't want to continue because he, in terms of uh, applying for the job because the old job was advertised. And Shukri applied for the job and he was a successful candidate and we feel he can add value into that space because but uh, if you look at uh, Lawrence Tanner and all that we were good in terms of the individual players uh, produced in the system I mean the Lighters, uh, Kashile, uh, the Wandile Makwetius and all that which are prominent young players that are coming through those are yes. some of the talent that is unearthed in the process and support from the other people but uh, what is quite important you also get judged as a team so we feel Shukri has the much needed experience because he's also coached at the professional level and has looked at the, after the National Academy for quite some time and wish the SA under 19 players were actually a fit into that National Academy. So we feel now if he probably moves lower down, he can uh, refresh that process for us and making sure that we have a healthy system. 
in, in at under 19 level because it's a difficult process to coach because the players that you work with they're more or less at the maximum with you for over a period of two years or a year so it's not like uh, when you're SAA or national a national team where you have players for a, 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 over many years and all that so you always have to keep on assessing a new talent and the third candidate we appointed was uh, 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 Neil McKenzie Neil yes. McKenzie is a former approacher and Neil was with us before. He was also a, a betting lead with us. Uh, but unfortunately, if you look at the performances of our systems, betting has taken a bit of a nosedive. If we're really honest with ourselves, when you look at the performance of the Proteas, when you look at the, some of the SAA performances and all that. So we needed to do something and give our, our betting a bit of a, a focus and a push. And especially if you look at the direction that the country is going into, because as, as much as we, we, we have to look at transformation if you, in, 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 in our midst and making sure that we select balanced and representative teams, we always uh, find ourselves shortchanged in the, in the betting front. And we need to make sure that the, uh, part of Neil's focus with the other high-performance coaches is to make sure that the, the next tal- best talent that is earmarked from a betting po- perspective is worked upon. But also, he will be saving within as well the future teams uh, if, they need, if they needed some of these coaches. And then the fourth appointment is the one that excites me the most. It's the Nishna Devna Rang. Yes. She's a former women's protest. She worked for uh, uh, KZN, uh, but uh, she's done a good work around uh, developing young talent, female talent, and people might not be aware. So for the first time, ICC wants to introduce an under-19 World Cup for the girls. Yes. Which would mean we, we need such a, such a platform because we will lose lots of talent if players don't get into the protest women's space you lose them. So this will assist us in our retention strategy. And uh, Denisha has worked with young talent and uh, the results that KZN speaks for itself. The young talent coming through into the Protea women's team, like Nondomiso uh, Lava, for example, those speak for themselves. They came through her hands and all that. So we feel this is a strategic appointment. People might think they would just appoint a female, but if she's suitably qualified, highly skilled, and uh, she has produced the necessary results. And the last one is our high-performance manager, which is Vinny Bans, who will be doubling up in his role and he will be assisting the bowling attack in terms of uh, both men and female within that high-performance structure as well, because he's a, a renowned uh, a, a fundi around bowling. And uh, we feel that we can also tap in on his expertise. And so these uh, uh, individuals are key in ensuring that uh, we keep the, uh, the next generation of uh, proteas ready, but also work with the current proteas when they are out of form to make sure that they uh, they skill. But these individuals can also be successful with the support of the franchise coaches. So there is a, 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 a forward-thinking uh, process where we the meeting, like we highlighted earlier on of yesterday when we had the meeting with the franchise coaches, is a start of such an engagement because we're looking to ensure that we have a roadshow where our franchise coaches can understand the role they're going to play in this bigger picture because everything that we do has to be about South African cricket and it has to be about having a competitive protein men and women's team yes. and uh, that's why we're quite excited, excited about this uh, appointment. Yeah, so obviously early on you mentioned um, Graham Smith obviously was appointed in December as a CSA Director of Cricket. How has your relationship been with him uh, since his appointment back in December? I think it's quite a, a, a fortunate position for me. I mean, I've been in cricket administration. I worked for Northern Cricket Union for over a 12-year period. And I've been at Cricket South Africa for seven years now. And the fact that you work through various levels of the game actually gives you the foundation that one needs. And having someone like Graham who's played international cricket 
captain the Proteas and all that. It's like a combination that you find that is quite actually working quite well because uh, one thing I must say is open to, to, to new ideas, it's open to looking and looking at our structure because there's a difference when you're out there and when you're inside. Mm. Because when you're out there, you're always uh, looking at it from a different point of view. But when you're inside, you start getting to understand the efficacy and the roles that each and every person plays, uh, where the structures are, how we're evaluating uh, some of the performances within the structure and all those type of issues. Which probably someone who's outside the environment uh, doesn't have a, f- a foresight with. And uh, I think our relationship thus far has worked quite well. And uh, I'm looking forward to working with them and making sure that South African cricket become successful. Yeah, so, um, so obviously uh, many have stipulated that CSA key, CSA's uh, key focus was transformation. Now, in your own words, what does transformation mean within the cricketing uh, context? Uh, it's, it's very unfortunate that uh, uh, when we speak transformation, it seems like we're always limiting it, limiting it to race base. Yes. But if you look at it from a transformation perspective, we're speaking about the change in the overall organization in terms of mm. how we operate. Mm. And this speaks about entirely from administration, from the way we govern the game, from the way we play. And yes, we have a, a sore past and uh, unfortunately one needs to look at the creating a, a quality of opportunity for individuals that want to partake and making sure that uh, things are clearly defined. And unfortunately, some of these things you cannot uh, uh, give face to through an interview of this nature. Mm. But one thing I can assure you is that when we speak about transforming, we speak about changing the way we do our business by making sure that we're inclusive, we're creating real sporting opportunities and that people feel they belong. And that's why I think you'll see with the new direction that the Proteas are taking, they had their own culture camp, for example, some of the things that we'll be taking in there tells you that as a country, we've moved on to the next level of, uh, of leadership. Because when you look at some of these young talent and all that, then unfortunately, cricket uh, is not uh, far removed from society. So when you look at where things are, you have players coming from different backgrounds. And how they're challenging each, each, each other in all those type of issues is quite exciting. Mm. And uh, for us, uh, you find that uh, if this game has to go forward, we're going to need players to lead as well on the field. And by making sure that they showcase the truly transformation in terms of making sure that we lead on the field. And uh, I think the key issue for us is definitely there's some bad uh, 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 in terms of uh, uh, the real transformation when it comes to ensuring that we take access uh, at the previously disadvantage because mm-hmm. the challenges that are hitting you there, if you can recall that in the country we have like 27,000 schools and some of these schools, for example, have uh, real challenges. They don't have water, for example. They don't have sanitation, 10,000 of them, for example. They don't have electricity, where mm-hmm. sport is actually the last thing at the back of their mind. Mm-hmm. But there are people in those environments that want to play the game. And through what we've done as Cricket South Africa in the last four years, we've produced this Arts and RPC, which was remodeled from what we had in the past, which was Central Place and Center. And these hubs and uh, regional performance centers have been instrumental because at the center all of it is an infrastructure, but around it is the primary and high schools. And what happens is that these hubs are earmarked in ensuring that there's a pathway for anyone who wants to play the game within that particular community. Because they're community-oriented, they have a management structure, which uh, represents the entire pathway from KFC right until sub cricket. And when we look at the results coming out of these hubs in the last four years, we're quite encouraged 
because the string stands at the moment you find that uh, every year we're having over 200 players coming from these uh, community centers representing their own provinces at national level but the important thing is that they're not representing there anymore because through the efforts of sponsorship like uh, new balance we've managed to make uh, ad advances in ensuring that when a kid gets selected for a, a, a provincial team if equipment is an issue we have, we have to make sure that we make equipment accessible to that individual so that when he gets to the national platform he can be able to go in with confidence and that equipment doesn't become a barrier the other thing that we did was a, a introducing what we call a player performance plan which is a program aimed at closing performance gaps and these performance gaps are not only cricket related some of it are, 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 are social uh, socio-economic status related some of it are physical and these issue interventions have actually assisted us when we're starting to see uh, on-field performances happening from players from dis disadvantaged backgrounds. Then I'm speaking about male and female, which shows us that if we persist with this process and we keep on funding these processes, we will get to a point where probably uh, we can just judge people by performance and so that people can see that for themselves. Yeah. So, Edward, uh, with the management appointments, in addition, there was also women's academy teams uh, introduced. Can you share a bit about that as well? So, uh, Denisha, like I said, she's in charge of the National Academy in SA Under-19. And people will be well aware that uh, the Protea women team uh, has always been our flagship. We're having 14 contracted players in there, but uh, the 14 contracted players, we need a base below them to make sure that we remain competitive at the uh, uh, international level. And so below that, we have what we call the our National Academy. We have run about 12 to 14 players that comes in and spend time here at the Center of Excellence in Victoria. And they get coaching from different types of coaches in ensuring that we broaden and sharpen their skills. And this academy uh, also plays international cricket as an emerging team. So we do play uh, some countries that you find that they want to have a competition against South Africa and uh, we provide that platform. If, for example, let's say a team like Ireland they contact us and they want to play against our national women's team, we normally use our imaging team as a breeding ground for for, for Frontier's team. So it is quite an instrumental tool. And like I said earlier on, the fact that we're also going to have under-19 setup both done well for us because at least there are real opportunities for women. It can allow our retention strategy to be better because an area in women that because of lack of opportunities at international level or even at academy level, you tend to lose them quite easily. But now our fight is to ensure that our coaches remain competitive and that National Academy program is quite key for us. Yeah, so just to add on to my previous question, how important do you think it is for the upliftment of women's cricket in South Africa? Or let me say just broad in sports? No, I mean, uh, but it's no brainer. I mean, if, you, if you've seen the last Women's World Cup and you look at the final, I mean, it was very unfortunate that we ended up in the semi-finals of the T20. Uh, but when you look at the final, uh, the attendance and uh, playing in Australia and all that, it tells you that women's cricket is on the sack and this has been happening for uh, for the last four years and all that. And it's, it's, it will be false of us not to invest in this space. And mm -hmm. the unfortunate part is that there isn't that many corporates that are willingly to put their money around professional yeah. women teams or women's sport, which is something that we need because we are feel uh, the next leg of sport in terms of viewership, in terms of participation, 
is definitely coming through from the women's space. And if you look at even football and uh, and and the other sporting posts like netball and all that, even though netball is predominantly women and all that, mm. but you can sense that uh, there's an appetite to professionalize such uh, avenues. And uh, we're quite fortunate enough that we have the resources to be contracting players at this stage. The mm. next level for us is to see whether can we have a semi-professional environment below the Proteus team because that will allow us to retain the best talent that we want to retain because we're hosting the World Cup in 2022, T20, T20 World Cup here at home. And we need to ensure that it becomes a female affair. There's a lot of activities that will be planned around that leading up to that 2022 journey. And part of it is that we want to also uh, remodel our blueprint for coaching women. Because if we're going to be making sure that uh, we fast track, because some of them sometimes they don't play enough cricket where they are based on the various challenges in terms of access to facilities, uh, access to decent coaching and all that. We need to make sure that we, we close up those gaps and making sure that we really ensure that the women's cricket is actually uh, uh, in a healthier space. But the key focus for Cricket South Africa is to ensure that we have women leading women's cricket moving forward. Yes. That's, that's why we're quite excited with the appointment of a person like Dinesha Devna Rain and at provincial level, CSA has also assisted our members in appointing female coaches. So we have five of our provincial teams that are coached by female, which are former coaches. So part of that avenue is to ensure that we can show our sincerity about making sure that the women's team is a, 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 a truly a representative and a, a, and a proud integral part of cricket South Africa. But I think one thing I want to end on on this, if I could see the under-19 team going to an ICC World Cup uh, when it starts, with the entire women's, uh, with the entire management being female, mm. that means we'll be on the right track. And meaning that when I say female, not ticking the box, that all of them are rightfully appointed in those roles yes. and overseeing and making sure that they represent us proudly in that first under-19 World Cup. Yeah. So obviously, we stick on the topic of of women upliftment in sports. Is it fair to, to make assumptions that male and female teams should be paid the same? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the issue of parity is a, is a good argument. I think the key issue is that one needs to understand that uh, uh, you can't just speak about paying them the same. Uh, currently, the disadvantage of our process is that uh, uh, funding predominantly comes from uh, male side of things. And they're subsidizing development, they're subsidizing women and all that type of things. But when we speak about the parity, you also have to look at it in contestants to say how much, how many matches are they playing? Because, for example, if you look at the Proteas, this is the Protea women, it's chalk and cheese in terms of the amount of matches that they play and the, and the competitiveness and all these type of issues. But one thing I'm, I'm, I'm quite encouraged with is that we are working towards making sure, I mean, we're quite fortunate enough that our women are paid decently mm. uh, at this point in time. And the board has actually been sincere in that. I mean, when we started this event, adventure in 2013, we had uh, uh, six women contracted. They were paid like 5,000 rand a month in 2013 already. But then we realized that the gap between those six players that were paid 5,000 rand and the rest of the squad became bigger. Hence, we moved to 14. But the nicest thing for us was that the increase in salary that CSA has invested in in 2017 and in 2015, and most recently bringing match fees and all that makes them very competitive because I would say probably we might be in the top four of the of the, of the paying countries from the salary perspective mm-hmm. and match fees in the world of, in, in women's cricket. Well, that's obviously positive positive signs. Obviously, it will get better as as time goes by. Now, in the following months to come, will we see additional appointments uh, and teams being announced by this by CSA? 
There's one critical appointment we still have to make, which is the convenor selection, which is also moving away from the way we operated in the past. So uh, we are appointing an individual to head to head up all inter- all selection matters within our pathway from Proteus right until under 19. And this uh, individual will have various people feeding into him from video analysts to uh, 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 scouts uh, to probably uh, even uh, 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 appointed selectors. And this individual has to make sure that uh, we prepare well for major events, we identify our, our players well, and that this high-performance coaches goes and looks after the talent that has been identified in conjunction with the high-performance coaches. But predominantly, the focus for this role is to ensure that uh, we have a short and medium-term strategy towards ICC events. We can't be going to World Cups with uh, injuries and all type of issues. That's why one of the biggest uh, appointments we've made this year uh, was the appointment of a chief medical officer. So the chief medical officer works with the, uh, uh, the Protea uh, selectors as well as the coaching staff. He's the one who actually gives license to say players are ready and are fit. And it was quite a good appointment because it has helped us during this COVID-19 time in making sure that we stick to the health protocols within the entire cricket pathway. So there is definitely that big position that we need to fill because I think once we appoint the convener of selection, that will be the final of the piece. And then we can start making sure that we finalize our strategies accordingly and then people can judge just by the results of what we put before. Alright, so now the big question on everyone in, in, on everyone's lips, uh, when will cricket resume in SA? Because we we obviously seen one official game uh, being held during the lockdown and the majority of the cricketing world obviously have resumed their respective seasons. When will we see some action in SA? Uh, we definitely, the franchise season will be starting in the first week of November. Uh, the, uh, the franchises have already commenced training. We're quite fortunate enough that uh, since August, they've been training uh, individually and uh, as well as their various teams and all that. And we haven't had many incidents as far as uh, COVID is concerned. Yes. And the health protocols have been followed. So the next leg for us will be the warm-up games that they will be playing in in, in October. And uh, we might have to probably be cautious and ensure that we restrict teams from, play, from traveling for those warm-up games that they probably look at playing inter-squad matches and all those type of issues. To, to, to make sure that we don't uh, 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 challenge our, our processes uh, against COVID-19 and all that because we want to make sure that by the first week of November we play in, uh, a franchise cricket and we'll start with the four-day format and then uh, and then uh, the season will commence from there. And at amateur level, as you're well aware that varsities and schools and uh, they've made pronouncement uh, before while we were still in lockdown, they, that there were not going to be any extramural activities yes. as far as the sport is concerned. We needed to have our own scenario planning and plan ahead. So the official season for amateur cricket will resume in 1 January. But this, at the moment, what amateur sport is doing, with at level 3 lockdown, we allowed one-on-one coaching. And then at level 2 lockdown, we allow one-on-one and group coaching of five players and a coach. So we're hoping that if we move down to level one, we'll start allowing group uh, 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 squad training and then that the guys probably can start also having some pre-season warm-up because we can't neglect the medical advisors that we're getting. With people being laid off for so long, uh, it's very important that there's more or less a minimum of six weeks uh, training activity that they could have before the major competition. 
So what it meant for amateur cricket, the fact that the major uh, uh, season for us will start in 1 January, it meant uh, that uh, we've lost out the national age group weeks that mm. would have normally would have played over December for the under 13, under 15, under 17 and under 19 uh, girls and boys weeks. So, uh, but again, those are the proactive decisions we needed to make in around about April. So uh, we're quite fortunate that we, if we can roll out a successful uh, franchise season to commence in November and then get to January that we're rolling things because to put up all these health protocols is quite an expensive exercise and we can only try around what we do with the professional teams and then with those key learnings we can advise amateur cricket to make sure that uh, we can do things in a responsible manner whilst adhering to the health protocols. Yeah, and um, in your in your st- statement now about the commencement of, of cricket, you didn't announce the protests. Um, when will that uh, happen? I see a smile there. When will that? When will we see the protests in action? As you well aware, we would have actually had the women playing uh, uh, this month in England, and that's yes. so unfortunately because of uh, international team not being allowed to travel, we had to cancel that tour. And since lockdown, we've cancelled the tour to the West Indies by the Protea men, and we've cancelled as well the female uh, tour to England. And uh, definitely, things are currently at the advanced level. We're hoping that towards the end of November, there will be a Protea uh, tour, uh, which will take place in South Africa. Yeah. And uh, so we're busy speaking to uh, the various government officials on that. Uh, so that we can allow and uh, and, uh, and as you well aware that would be an England series. So we have to play uh, three uh, one days and three T Twenty children. Okay. Um, so- and then uh, there's definitely a bumper season. Unfortunately, uh, I cannot speak about the fixtures because they're still busy being uh, 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 finalised, so, uh, approved by the various level structures. But I can assure you that we're going to have a congested January to April of uh, both international and domestic cricket. Oh, obviously, that's that's uh, positive news to you um, coming f- uh, out of the CSA camp. Now, moving on to the to to the the next topic is obviously we all know that Momentum is obviously one of the main sponsors for CSA. How has that relationship been um, now currently taking into account recent events within um, re- within the running the organisation and with the sponsor uh, with the appointments the recent appointments? How has that relationship been so far? You know, uh, we've, we've been going through a difficult period as Cricket South Africa when you look at the negativity that goes around at the moment. Yeah. And uh, one needs to apologize to the public at large for where the game finds itself at the moment because you, you ask yourself now where from a, a, an organization that we were, where we were respected administrative and all that where we are now, what really went wrong. And it just shows you that you cannot rest on your laurels and thinking everything is okay. You always have to keep your finger in the files and make sure that you keep this game healthy. And the key part of it is looking after key sponsors like Momentum in the process. Yes. So they need to hear things first and they don't have to read things in the media and all that. And rightfully so, they also put pressure within the organization wanting accountability in decision making and all that. And we were quite fortunate enough that uh, they came back in the fold as well, where I think they were always associated within men in terms of one-day cricket. But in the past as well, they sponsored the Momentum Proteas. And, and as you're well aware, uh, women's cricket has been something that they work closely with. So before the Women's World Cup uh, in Australia, they were announced as a, as, as a sponsor that came back on board to actually assist women's cricket again. And uh, so we're quite appreciative to have loyal partners like Momentum, uh, KFC 
that they've been with us through these trying times and all those type of issues. But one cannot extend the sincere appreciation of other sponsors that have moved away because they've contributed positively to the sport as well. And these are the likes of Standard Bank uh, that uh, uh, invested a lot on the protest team as well as the uh, uh, grassroots cricket. And one needs to appreciate the, the fact that uh, people are, 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 are prepared to still back us. But I think from an accountability perspective, we have a lot of work to do. We need to make sure that they, we are accountable to the sponsors because they invest in the game. And like I said earlier on, it's a very unfortunate trying times and it requires true and authentic leadership to ensure that it can take us through this difficult time. With the major, with the major sponsors, you didn't mention uh, Sunfield. Um, uh, are, are they still on board or what's the situation there? I remember Sunfall have always been the the the, the, the backer. They sponsored the, the test matches before, yes. and then when they uh, uh, when the contract came, uh, you'll see there'll be uh, there's a new sponsor that will be introduced in terms of looking after the uh, events in terms of uh, uh, international cricket. But what's happening with Sunfall? They're still involved with us from a buzzery perspective. Mm-hmm. So we run what we have the Sunfall buzzery system which looks after the young generation of cricketers uh, that are coming through. And one uh, can owe, owe gratitude to people like Momentum as well as, uh, as, uh, as Sunfall in that space because they created hope for the disadvantaged cricketers because uh, they involve a company like Med Foundation, which is uh, a, a, a company that oversees and ensure that if we pick up a, a, a young boy or young girl, put them through a buzzer system, that that investment becomes successful. So they put up all the uh, necessary support around such an individual academically, socioeconomic, and all those type of issues to ensure that that kid dream of becoming a, a successful someone outside cricket also materializes within that. And those are the small stories that people like Sunfall and uh, Momentum actually doing away from the major sponsorships and which we welcome. And, uh, I mean, people will also look at uh, the role, for example, of what sports and recreation South Africa plays. As much as they're not putting money in, in, in rents and cents, but you will realize that the development of the game is currently taking place in, uh, in uh, 65% uh, of the facilities that cricket plays on is owned by the municipalities. And the maintenance of those facilities is rents and cents that you don't see. And so the little gesture uh, or you people could keep it in that way. But having those access to that infrastructure and that it gets well maintained, it seems that you find that we have to acknowledge the role that the government also plays in that. Yeah, so obviously um, we haven't had much sport during the pandemic. How has this uh, pandemic affected CSA financially? We, we were quite fortunate enough uh, in the sense that uh, it caught us in our off-season. Mm-hmm. And that's why when, uh, when, if you can recall, when the pandemic hit us, it was like in March, and luckily at the time, uh, ECB, which is the England Cricket Board, were at the beginning of their season. So having to touch base with uh, 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 ICC members like that and understanding what is happening at the moment at the, in those entities allowed us to prepare well in, in our space. So the only things that we've missed would have been, uh, would have loved to have played India, for example, in those three T20 matches that was mentioned, but because of the pandemic, that couldn't take place. And so the key issue that is quite important is just to uh, uh, ensure that our planning has actually been to the core. So we haven't really lost money in terms of uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, of of the investment in the game. We were not scheduled to host any international cricket by the 3 20 matches that we are trying to get going with India. But 
if we don't play from November now, for example, with an up and coming series that we're supposed to hold, that will have a, a damaging effect because we need to get back into the park and we need international cricket to be played because the longer we're not playing international cricket, the challenging uh, our profile would be and which means to roll out any other programs from here on because our financial model works on a four-year cycle so we need to make sure that uh, when we budget we budget according to the four-year cycle because you make money out of big posts like england india uh, and australia and where you when you play the minus you're not making that much of an income so in your four-year cycle you have to budget that you, you, you break even so this year, you will see that it will reflect our financial statements as CSA making a profit. And you will think, no, but they haven't been hit by COVID. But we haven't played. And yeah. uh, the fact that uh, uh, if these international matches that are coming up don't play, that is a bearing and an impact in the in, 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 in the in the other issues that are coming. Yeah, so yesterday you, you um, had a meeting with all the franchises. Um, do you want to share a bit um, about what was discussed in the meeting yesterday or is that strictly con- confidential at the moment? No, I think it's in the public domain. I think people are well aware that uh, uh, in November uh, uh, last year, uh, the Members' Council uh, made a decision to move into a new domestic cricket system. Uh, for, for, for professional cricket and uh, and this didn't come lightly because in 2016 with an independent review of our domestic cricketing structure people are well aware that franchise cricket has been in existence for 17 years and it was derived for certain reasons and uh, one of the key pillars of the franchise model was that it was going to be self-funding and the secondly the other one was that it was going to uh, make sure that it produces competitive cricketers to make sure that we can compete well uh, against uh, our international counterparts. And so now uh, it has delivered on the cricketing aspect, but it hasn't delivered on the independency and the financial revenue because all these franchises are heavily subsidized by CSA at this testing stands. And so now when you look at that and you look at uh, uh, some of the issues around transforming the sport and creating more access for professional cricketers, we were caught up where we needed to expand our professional system. So the Members' Council made a decision to say we want to move back to the provincial cricketing structures from franchise to provincial. If you were well aware in the past, you had the uh, border bears of this world and the EP, EP jumbos and all those type of issues. But when we formed the franchise, EP and border became the Warriors franchise. Yes. So we actually, the, uh, the Members' Council made a decision to defund uh, such a, a, a decision. But as you well aware, this thing caught up us in the wrong time because then Saka was not engaged leading up to that decision and then so because we were not enjoying a, a healthy relationship at the time so the members council appointed uh, dave richardson who's a former south african cricketer also head of icc to review such a decision and see whether did they make the right call in terms of uh, moving from franchises into provincial cricket and whether also is it a financially viable model mm. and so dave has been with us since december until now He's supposed to uh, deliver the final report in October because we need to make sure that before the start of the 2020-2021 season that we already made a decision on uh, what form will professional cricket take in 2021 and 2022. And part of uh, yesterday's meeting was a consultation with the coaches showing them the model uh, that uh, we're intending to, to propose to the members' council. And uh, so they were uh, looking at that and uh, 
they're looking at punching holes as well or adding and seeing whether they agree to the proposed model because at the end of the day we are cricketing administrators coaches are out there have to fulfill the roles and their responsibilities in coaching the talent and we need to make sure that we consult extensively so our next level would be that we are going to consult the FEDA with the CEOs of the various members we're also going to consult further with our transformation committee and as well as our financial committee before we get to the board as well as the members council with the final product so there's still an extensive and this journey it started as well where we went down to member level and started engaging with the CEOs at member level to understand their current uh, 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 structures as well as what type of model will they prefer. So it's been a long journey that the team mm. was fortunate to be part of. But one thing I can assure you that the final model that will arrive at will definitely, if it gets accepted, will have consequences because currently if you're a franchise and uh, you finish last, in all formats, there's no consequence. You're still a franchise next year. Yes. Uh, uh, if, whether you produce players for the protest, there was no consequence. So we need to look at that in terms of remodeling high performance, reshaping cricket South Africa. How do you also galvanize our competitions to ensure that they can support such a structure to be effective and efficient, and, but in a responsible manner. But lastly, on my side, it's what we discussed as well, and the coaches are well aware, is that these structures cannot be successful uh, if they don't have a sound administrative system behind them and also a sound governance structure at member level because CSA governance can only be better if uh, uh, the members governance is of a high level and those are some of the key issues that we need to make sure that uh, we have measurements in, in place and then we drive excellency and we hold people accountable which we're going to ensure that our investment materializes. Yeah, so uh, lastly, Edward, uh, do you perhaps have a message for all supporters out there who are currently listening um, to the podcast? Well, uh, I think uh, I've said it earlier on to say we do apologize. I mean, as a, as a cricket administrator and I've been in the game for a while, it's the first time where I see the game in the state that it finds itself at the moment, especially yeah. where it doesn't belong. And I can assure you that uh, from where I'm sitting uh, and uh, with the people around me, it's not a less cause. I think uh, we can clean up the game. We can take it to its rightful space. And we have credible people in the sport itself, both at CSA and both at member level that are eager to ensuring that this game is successful. So we urge the public to be patient with us, but also not lose faith in us, because when the season commences in November, uh, with COVID-19 permitting, spectators will still be allowed. And I think it's going to be very important from here on that we sincere and honestly communicate to our stakeholders and make it where the game is at, to ensure that by the time uh, things uh, 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 start uh, getting back into form, in terms of getting back onto the field, that everybody's clear in terms of actually what we went through and what was the reasons behind it, and that we should prevent such issues from happening. Because if you work at Cricket South Africa, it comes with huge responsibility, it's not a private entity. This game is owed to the people out there, and rightfully, they should be upset with us if you find mm-hmm. that they feel we should changing and servicing this game poorly. And that's why I started with the whole issue of apologizing for that. But we are best positioned as well to try and make sure that we restore that confidence in the public. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Edward, for joining us on the bench on Madiba's radio. Again, congratulations on the new appointment. And uh, we hope that uh, positive things do await uh, CSA fans. Thanks, Edward. No, no, thank you. And uh, continue the good analysis work that you're doing as well and keeping everybody uh, informed about matters around the country.
Uh, that was Edward the newly appointed uh, acting CSA head of Cricket Pathways. That's all the time we have for today on the bench warmer. I'm your host, Gorgs. Do tune in again on Wednesday, same time, 5 to 6 p.m. on Madiba's Radio, the best youth station in the world. Don't die on me. I said, Young Black King, don't die on me. You my brother, you my keeper, I need you to keep an eye on me The normal fighting on the streets, walking around with all this pride on me Tough for us already, know that you can still rely on me Please, just stay alive for me And my young black queens don't quit now yeah. You're the only ones that got us, I could never let my sister out You've been too strong for too long, yet still you never sit down Wow that's the power of your loving and that's worthy of a king's crown And still you never let your kings down Even though more time we don't deserve it The picture isn't pretty but it's perfect Tedious questions so then I curve it Serena or Venus the way I serve it I'm Mallory Blackman the way I sell books I jump on the stage and then the world looks All that banging on my door had my girl shook Like sorry officer I only sell hooks Leave me alone Every little L I took and held it close to home Living you learn they'll always hate me for my tone For the shade of my skin and not the courage of my bones Now I'm misunderstood and I'm feeling like Nina Simone The way I told the world would have thought that I was Sims See her on stage I know that women can be kings I know that they're overlooking what you bring I know it's all good but it's just the little things Black Queen you're immaculate Coming out the world, ain't ready for your magic yet And that was never your fault, man, I guess they couldn't hack it yet World domination, and you ain't even taking off your jacket yet So effortlessly fabulous Yeah, my young black kings, I hope it pays off Go and show them what you're made of Trying to scare us with some things that we are no longer afraid of When our superheroes, let me see you take off I pray you never take your cape off Even though more time we don't flash straight But trust you bro, I promise we gon' die great Our b****s are heavy but we ain't lightweights Our parents were legends, they had to migrate So that's the reason not to sit around and chat I'm from the place where Michael Dapper made a smash hit Where you can be a rapper if you rap sick The screaming what a flipping time to be a black Brit We so alive, whole world won our demise But no we ride, try to push us all to the side We know our rights, now we get the whole of the pie Then go inside, when you see that Mackie flag in the sky Just know it's sad, the way I took the charts Would've thought that I was Dave I am young, black, beautiful and brave Know that it's they're overlooking what we gave I don't do good, so we pray for better days Pray they're better than before Young black king, you are everything and more. I know one song's not enough to settle scores. But from the bottom of my heart, man, I hope you're getting yours. Man, I hope you're getting yours. Young black queen, get your shine on. All I see is innovators and I like a You can go and ask the whole world where they got their sound from. That's you, that's us, God's time, and he never gets the time wrong. I guess we're just some freaking time, but we soon blow. I can make my world come true. All my dreams will see me through. And if that will get me down, my dreams will turn things all around. With a smile upon my face, I can see a better place. Doesn't matter what will come my way. Believe me now, I'll win someday.